We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2021 Genesis Invitational DraftKings Picks and Preview. If you missed the news early on Tuesday morning, Daniel Berger, too rich, doesn't want to play anymore. He withdrew. He gets a million bucks, and he's like, eh, I can you know take off to Florida and come back next week for some guaranteed money at the WGC. So he is no longer in the field at the Genesis, which shrinks the field from 121 down to 120 because it's an Invitational. It's a smaller field. 54% of the field will make the cut at least. That's if 65 players make the cut, but we always know it's going to be a little bit more than that. So a high percentage of six of sixes this week on DraftKings, you would think unless the chalk goes absolute bust, and then, you know, you're not going to have a whole lot of six. Like if Dustin, Rom, and Rory all miss the cut, then you're not going to be looking at a high percentage of six of sixes when it comes down to it. Uh, joining me on the line today, coming up in a minute, David Barnett from the Tour Junkies at Tour Junkies on Twitter and Instagram. You can always download the Tour Junkies podcast as always. If you do not have your spot in the Pat Mayo experience open on Draft DraftKings, the link is in the description, but it might be full by the time this show even comes out. A lot of interest in golf now that all of the big names are actually playing in an event. And all the stats that we use today are from FantasyNational.com. Go to FantasyNational.com slash Mayo. Get yourself 20% off all the tools, all the stats. You want to make DraftKings and betting on golf easy on yourself? FantasyNational.com slash Mayo. We got awesome events basically from now through the British Open because uh, the real season has kicked itself off. So you want to get your membership today and get yourself the 20% off. The annual, too, is the best deal that you can get if you're going to use it for like more than four weeks then you might as well get the annual deal get the most savings possible get that down with the discount to like five and a half bucks per week or something i'm betting if you're watching this show and playing on DraftKings or betting then you're probably wagering more than that per week so you might as well get the tools to at least make life efficient for yourself and maybe you'll learn something at the same time too win those bucks a lot of big winners this week on DraftKings. a few five figure hits uh, even some bets that were out there some weird, like weird parlays together with daniel berger ended up in like the 25k range so congratulations to everyone out there who brought home the buck this week i had minimal bucks jeff had a lot of bucks so hopefully you guys cashed in as well last thing daily fantasy sports picks and bets the mix that's where my one and done show will be up every single week on that audio podcast feed if you leave a five-star review on apple Podcasts, say something nice about the program and leave your twitter handle and email address and or email address uh, you do that right now and then we're giving away 100 bucks on next Monday's show. So please go do that if you've already done it. Thank you. You're still in the draw, still eligible to win. But all of the new people that can come in, you can find the links to that in the description of this video and podcast. It has Euro Golf, my one and done picks, has soccer, NASCAR, UFC, all of the short form stuff that we do up on Mayo Media Network. YouTube page is also on that audio feed if you find that more convenient to listen to. I think that's everything. 
ah, live chat tomorrow, noon Eastern time on Mayo Media Network YouTube channel. So please tune into that. I'll be up on the audio feed after the fact. David, did I miss anything? I don't know, man. You're you're a rock star, Pat. I have a, I've always had a question about your live chat. When you ban someone for life, which I always enjoy taking that in, do you do, are they really banned for life? Yes. Really? Yes. Dude, that's a that's a cockstrong move. You know, that's I love that, dude. I love that. I've always wondered that. Uh, well, sometimes we'll put people on timeout, which then they can come back for the next week. But some people just have to get banned for life. The, the whole premise behind it is I want to get to as many questions as possible. And then I tend to get dragged down by the stupid questions and don't put, spend too much time on those instead of the good questions that people have. And then just culling these people out. Like last week's chat was great. We flew through it. I answered everyone's questions. Like there was no idiots in there. It was awesome. Yeah. I get it. I've just always wanted to know: Are they? Are you really banning them for life? So if, I'm, I'm really happy to hear that. Actually, screw those guys. Yeah, you need to rule with an iron fist when it comes to online yeah. chat. The moder, the moderators of online chat groups. Uh, you, know, you need to be strong willed. You, you can't placate to the people, especially the trolls. Hey, you're the man. It's your world. We're all living in it, buddy. I'm, I'm grateful to be here. Thanks for having me back on. Um, yeah, I'm ready to go. Genesis, let's do it. Let's talk Genesis. Riviera CC, 7,322 yards. It is a par 71. As I continue to tell people out there that it's a lot longer than it seems because you have one of those like micro par fours that's 290 yards. All three of the par fives come in less than 600 yards. Uh, number one is like the easiest hole on the PGA Tour. Kind of like a 6% eagle rate on that hole. You, you want to get like two eagles out of your guys from that hole as I mean, we Jeff and I always joke about Tony Fina, how he makes par on that hole in every single round. Like, Tony, you lost by two strokes. Just play the easy hole well and you're going to be fine. Either way, there are daunting par fours. They're the hardest holes on the course. There's seven of them over 450 yards. So long irons, driving distance, I think is where you want to go this week. Although I have seen, and you notice it every single year, like when we say, hey, play bombers, and you're like, well, Matthew Fitzpatrick came second. It's like, yeah, well, look at the rest of the top 10. They were all bombers. There is some value on some of these shorter hitters because they will tend to get overlooked in this field, don't you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I hear that too. I, I t the bombers I'm always going to lean towards unless it's like Pebble, you know, Harbor Town, those kind of courses. Like, uh, And you're always going to have the shorter hitters pop up because they're going to have a great iron week, long iron week, or they're going to scramble, you know, like crazy. So, um, I, but I think for me, the tiebreaker is going to be length for sure with those par fours that you mentioned. Um, and I think you, you look at the past winners here, you look at the top tens here, you look at, you know, uh, who, who the, the guys that have gained the most strokes total in terms of, you know, playing at Riv over the last five to 10 years, a lot of them hit it a long way. So I think, I do think that's key. It does look like it may play a little firmer this year, but it's, uh, it's one of those courses with, what is it? Kikuya fairways and rough, um, all the way. So Kikuya doesn't really, the ball doesn't bounce or roll as much as, as we may see in other places, but a little firmer, a little faster may help the shorter hitters a little bit. Yeah, good. And like when I just bring up Matthew Fitzpatrick as the example of someone who like, he's not like Brendan Todd off the tee, like he's like, okay, off the tee, but he hits a ton of fairways. He's really good with longer irons and we know he can chip and putt. So there are certain players over the years where you can point to and be like, oh yeah, these shorter hitters have had success here. It's just, I find that the path to them achieving, you know, a top five is just much more difficult than John Rom. <laughs> yep. Completely agree. Uh, I, I saw something right before we came on, uh, Pat, that I thought was interesting. Steve Rawlings, uh, I think he works, he's up at Betfair, talked about 14 of the past 15 champs have played Riviera at least five times, which I think is very interesting. You know, I saw something that uh, basically um, reflected like course history being of value here. Like as much as Mirfield, Wiley, and Augusta National, the only three places where course history tends to pan out more. Uh, than Riviera so I, I do think if you're a big course history homer which you know uh, me and Pat tend to tend to believe in course history more so than others on the on the Twitter in the Twitter world but uh, I think Riv is one of those places where familiarity is a big deal I think it is but is that like looking back in retrospect because I'm looking at Bubba Watson right now like he had his first win after three starts after two missed cuts in the 13th he wins in 2014 then alternates like wins almost every single year between those he had the WD in 2017 but then came back the next year and won after winning in 2016 I do believe that course history goes a long way here particularly because I mean you're very familiar with Augusta obviously living in Augusta but the green complexes and how these greens actually roll at the Riv 
are unique. And I think that they take a few times through to really figure them out. So one of the things I love about our friends at Fantasy National, uh, quick plug here, is I can get into that mixed condition model. And what I did, because I've seen a couple players talk about how these greens roll a lot like Tory. Uh, obviously, Pebble is Poa as well, but I've seen where where this this has a little similarity to Tory more so than any other. So I went into Fantasy National in my mixed condition model, took Tory Pines south, since that's where the shot link data is, uh, strokes game putting there and strokes game putting on Riviera over the last four or five years and just looked at who who checks out there. So if, if I reference that later in the show, that's what I'm looking at. And I love that. I love that I can do that with Fantasy National. Well, let's get into it. Who are the guys? Uh, that putt well? Is that what you want to know? Let's yeah. see. All right. Number one. Oh, God, I love this. This guy I can't quit him. Um, and he's burned me the last couple of weeks. Number one strokes game putting last five years between Torrey Pine South and Riviera, J.B. Holmes. Uh, I uh, actually put in a bet on J.B. Holmes this morning at 250 to one just because, like, I, I just – I can't there's, stop betting him. There's something ab- there's something about him here. Just like fuck it, it's 250 to one. It's it's 10 bucks. Like whatever. Like uh, I I would have the peace of mind that you know I can collect 2500 if he wins. Not that I ever root for JB Holmes because he's the absolute worst. Yeah. But you know it seems like big odds for a guy who plays well here. 250 to one for him. Uh, yes, I agree. Number two is Martin Laird. Party Marty. I know you like him. I like Martin Laird as well. Number three is DJ. Four Kucher. Five Snedeker. Those are your top five. What happened to Brant Snedeker? He's getting old, man. Like I think, and he's not old, but I'm just saying, like we're seeing the 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 age is is becoming more of a factor. I think I don't, I don't know. I, I think that's part of it. These young guys are just different. Yeah, he doesn't have. I, I, so I just did the search myself. Riviera CC Tory Pines South past four years strokes per average round. Uh, so you have some guys with very few rounds up there. Tyler McCumber, Scott Piercy, Bobby Shelton, that's in three rounds, K.H. Lee, J.B. Holmes, Dustin Kuchar, Todd, Straka, John Rahm. Then you got Cam Smith, Na McNeely, Laird. So that's on your per-round average the past four years between those two courses in strokes game putting. I like that. You're a K.H. Lee guy, aren't you? I talked about this on the show last night with my Pat. I love K.H. Lee. K.H. Lee's my guy. Okay. Okay, yeah, yeah. We were, we were talking about that last night because Pat, uh, my Pat picked him, Pat Perry, picked K.H. Lee on our show, and, and he said, K.H. Lee's going to go so under the radar. I was like, I don't know, man. He's kind of a Mayo guy. Mayo really likes K.H. Lee. I don't think he's going to go super under the radar. Plus, he just played well a couple weeks ago. I don't know that's going to happen. Um, and he's like, I didn't know Pat Mayo was a K.H. Lee guy. Who's a K.H. Lee guy? I'm like, I'm pretty sure he is. So I, I, wanted, I wanted to verify that. Oh, yes. I have lost uh, a nice amount of money on K.H. Lee over the years. <laughs> Always fun with K.H. Lee when it comes down to it. So I look also look at around the green for here, too, because it's funny looking back at it because you, you think bombers, uh, they tend to play really well here. But when you look at the actual stats between, you know, the top 10 finishers let's say like around the green tends to mean more in the overall top 10 than off the tee does which is really striking i guess it's because you don't have to hit as many fairways here because guys just don't you can play it out of the rough if your irons are working but if you cannot get it up and down at this course like you're screwed yeah i mean and plus what we see i think when you look at you know the winning scores here over the past few years 11 under 14 under 12 under we haven't really seen a lot, you know, scores have been a lot better than that lately. So anytime you get a course like that, that, that likely is meaning that, you know, there's there's a lot of holes out here where par is your friend. And getting up and down is going to be required hitting into these greens and and a lot of longer irons into, into you know, into these greens. We're not going to, it's not going to be a wedge fest at Riviera. So um, I, I think that is something to consider for sure. And I think, I think around the green on POA is important too, because that, that still plays different. Um you know, hitting onto these Poa greens. Well, if I just take that same split between Riviera and Torrey Pines per round, the best guys in the field around the green, Snedeker, Nah, Patty Harrington, Bubba, Harry Higgs, C, woo, Kim, Brian Gay, Kucher, Hideki, Henley, Armour, Bryson, Dustin, Cam Smith, Rory, Rogers, and the Gim Reaper. That's only four rounds for the Gim Reaper, mind you, but still. I always like to see Doug Gim's name pop up anywhere. Just, there, there's one, there's another one of my guys. Apparently, I, I like every male golfer on the PGA tour who is of Asian descent. <laughs> um, I actually have come around to, to liking myself a fair amount of Doug Gim as well um, lately. So uh, I'm with you there, by the way, also played in the 2017 U S amateur here at Riv and was uh, up there near the top. So um, there's a lot of, ga- a lot of guys in here that played in the 2017 USAM and played well. 
Yeah, Red- Redmond, Redmond won, right? Redmond, I believe, won it. Um, but Gim played well. Matt Wolf played well. Andy Ogletree played well. Uh, Joaquin, Neiman, all those guys. Victor Hovland, on the other hand, was awful here in 2017. Well, but that, that was before, that was when he was still chipping terribly. I was going to say, that, that's before he learned how to chip. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I kind of would throw that out. But yeah, there's a lot of guys in this field that played here in 2017. Interesting. Good class then, the 2017 class, for at least for the U.S. Uh, amateur. Yeah, it really speaks to how, how talented the young guys coming out are. Let's talk about these 10K guys, because this is going to be super tricky this week, because it's going to be not difficult to build a stars and scrubs type roster. Like I mentioned, a higher percentage of players are going to make the cut this week. That doesn't mean the guys at the back end are all going to make it. They just have a better chance of getting through with only 120 players in the field. So when we look at the very top, there's Dustin, and he's 11-3, and it goes JT, Rory, Rom, Bryson. That's your entire 10K level. I mentioned it with Feinberg on the Monday show. I'm betting Bryson at 18-1. to I like Bryson a lot. I'm going to be using Bryson. I think that he's going to win this week. If I think that he's going to win this week, then I'm going to be using him in my DraftKings lineups. I think that just makes a lot of intuitive sense. Now, he hasn't played here five times. He's only played here three times, but he's gotten better every single year that he's been here. He's been great with the irons, great around the greens, has not putted overly well, but I'm not really concerned. I mean, it's hard to predict putting anyway, but I'm not really concerned about Bryson and the putter. He tends to putt well on a pretty regular basis. Uh, when you look at all of the top-end players, like Xander is just putting the lights out at the moment. Uh, the guy can't miss any putts unless you know it really matters. Then you have Bryson, who plays well on Sundays, is generally a pretty good putter. You know he's going to be top five in the field in driving, so why not end up going to him for over a $1,000 discount off DJ? I just don't know what else to do in the 10Ks, because it strikes me as people are going to go to DJ. It's far easier to play him on DraftKings than bet him at five and a half to one or whatever the hell he's at yeah. now. And then Rom seems super cheap versus the other two guys, which leads me to believe that Thomas and Rory are going to go under owned here. I was going to say, Pat, th this range with this field, I don't even, I just want to see where ownership stuff shakes out because it's really hard to talk, talk anybody out of anybody, you know, in this range. Cause they're all playing, they're all playing pretty good. They're all studs. Uh, they all check all the stat boxes in the profile for what you would you would say plays well at Riv. I, we were talking about this last night too on our show. Have you found lately that with ownership, because everybody's getting such good data, and you've got you know sites like Fantasy National that are giving you all the same stats, we're all arriving on the same players. But now there's also this factor of you know everybody's seeing everybody's smarter to this ownership information because all the podcasts are talking about it, all the sites are talking about it. So you get a guy who you know on Wednesday night he's projected at 20%, right? And you're like, "Okay, I, I'm going to I'm going to fade that guy for ownership and I'm going to pivot here." And then lineup lock on Thursday and the dude's like 12% because everybody's done that. Are you finding that it's getting even harder now like to, to kind of nail that down? Are you seeing players like that week to week? Yeah. I think that happens every single week that we everyone kind of not necessarily group things, but like you said, everyone's using a lot of the same data. They're coming to the same conclusions because intuitively you look at the data like, oh, that guy really stands out. But at the same time, everyone then talks himself out as like, oh, that's the pivot. I think you try to find like your two or three guys in the field that no one's really on. Uh, like Lashley last week, a lot of people bet Lashley. A lot of people talked about Lashley. But when you looked at the ownership percentages, despite the fact that everyone brought him up all week, he was like 4% owned. So I think it means more like at the top end when trying to project ownership versus the bottom end. Like the chalky 7,500 and below players tend to be the popular plays. Whereas anything above that can kind of go either way it feels uh, yeah i mean i guess people are feel more comfortable pivoting off of a top off of a big name when there's so many in the field it's easier to it's easier to do that um speaking of lashley man we we had a bet on him at 175 to one that was just painful to watch on on 16 last yeah, week i i was writing writing a lot of lashley last week yeah. as well and so i was uh, i never felt good about it I guess would be the one thing, even yeah. when he was up by two, just looking at the names behind him on the leaderboards, like there's no way that he's going to win. <laughs> Although he was dialed. I mean, his iron play, he was, he could have hold out twice on Sunday. He was absolutely dialed and the swing looks super silky, but it, it's crazy how it also just goes to show you golf. Like golf is such a wild game. That shot into 16 
flew five yards further than it should have. And you could argue maybe it was a little adrenaline pumping. It flew five yards further than it should have, just five yards. And it cost him four shots and possibly the tournament, you know. I mean, Burger Eagles 18, but it's just crazy how golf is, how golf works. Um, it, it's no different than James Hahn the week before, though. Like the moment that they see the win yep. in their sights, like it's, <laughs> it's, it's easy when you're three shots down and you're like, oh, I need to go pin seeking. Like if I don't do it, well, I wasn't going to win anyway. But then it starts working and then you see yourself, oh, shit, I'm three shots up. And then all of a sudden it's a different story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Back to this top range, Pat. I don't know, man. I think right off the bat, I love the combo of John Rahm and Xander Schauffele. I like starting a lineup there. I, I feel like that's going to be a little chalky, but I, I, I don't freaking know. Like, I, I just want to see. I, how, I would how say, I would actually say that at the top, I don't think it really matters all that much. Like, it's, you're right. right. You, you need your guy to win from up here. So if you're confident, like if you're using two guys above ninety five hundred dollars, what you're looking for is them to come one and two. Uh, and if you think that these are the two guys most likely to win in your mind that you can fit into a lineup, I'd say fuck the ownership. Just play the guys you want. I was talking about this last night on our show. I was saying I thought Morikawa would come in a little under the radar in between Cantlay, who is obviously playing tremendous right now, California guy, obviously is a smart play, and then Berger, but then Berger withdrew. Uh, but then a bunch of people in the chat were telling me anyway, there's no way Morikawa is going to be under the radar, which I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I agree with that. But I, I like Morikawa here a little bit. I feel like he might be a little overlooked because I think so many people are going to play that Cantlay and up range. I um, agree with you. I don't think it's going to be like, I think he'll be like 10% ownership, something like that. I bet on Morikawa to I win. I think that he's he's actually fairer priced on DraftKings than he is in the betting market. So I bet him at 35 to 1 to end up winning this because Cantlay's at 18. I'm like, well, Morikawa basically wins more than Cantlay, and he's won a major in California before not to say that Cantley's not going to outperform Morikawa. It's probably a coin flip, but to say that Cantley has double the chance to win than Morikawa just seems insane to me. And then you look at the DraftKings pricing and they're separated by a hundred dollars. That actually seems like it makes way more sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you there. Well, I, if he comes in at 10%, I'm, I'm going to be pretty heavy on, on Morikawa. I love the iron play, uh, the California angle there. So I, I like, I like Morikawa a lot there. 9,500. Do you think that you could build lineups without using any of the 10K guys if you want to start like Xander, Cantlay, Morikawa? I was just about to say that. I mean, I think there's going to be plenty of people that do that. I don't think that's – I think this is going to be one of those weeks where we're going to see a lot of a lot of like studs and duds, and we're going to see a lot of balanced lineups all over the place in GPPs. I think you can do both very easily, yes. Um, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't have a problem with that at all. I love Xander. I'm a, I'm a big Xander fan, so I, I'm in on that. Finau is interesting. A fourth, a runner-up, and then a runner-up in the in the Saudi money grab behind behind DJ. I mean, he's just he, you give him enough chances. I I just gotta believe he's gonna close the door one of these days. Um, and, and at ninety three hundred bucks, he doesn't even need to close the door. He needs to come in fourth or something. Yeah, but yeah, I don't love how wild his history here has been. But obviously, he's been really good the last three years. Uh, well, not last year, T fifty one, but yeah. I, I, I'm interested in Finau a little bit. I'd rather have him than the golden child. This is going to be a tough one for Spieth, although I'm not going to put anything past him at the moment just because he's, he's running hot, especially with the irons. Like, it's weird to see that the irons are back. People always forget that when he was awesome, like, he was driving the ball really well. He cannot drive the ball anymore. And if you're going to be spraying it left and then spraying it right at a course that's daunting in terms of length, it's just at Pebble, you can get away with it because you're still your approaches are still 130 yards. Like you can still get those to land softly on the greens, regardless of where you're at. When you're like 180 out, then you're going to start running it and hopping it off the green. Then you need to get yeah. it up and down every single time. And just, that's what we're talking about when distance matters at a place like this. And it's not like he's a bomber. If he was Bryson and he was missing every fairway, but he was only a hundred yards from the hole, that would be one thing. When you're missing every fairway and you're 200 yards from the hole, that really ratchets up the difficulty. And again, if you watched him on Sunday, it, the drives he was spraying like way right were way right. I mean, they were not hitting the first cut or like landing on the right side of the fairway and rolling into the rough. They were they were landing in the rough and bouncing further right. And with this Kikuya rough, the ball doesn't bounce or roll a ton. Like, so you're going to lose even more distance if you're spraying it here. You're going to lose even more because it's just not going to keep bouncing and rolling and cart path and luck box speeth what he does. You know, like, it's just not going to happen. So uh, I'm not interested. 
Uh, I don't think that many are going to be interested in Spieth this week, to be perfectly honest with you. I guess it depends on how much of the public ends up playing. Like, he is a tough one to gauge actual ownership on. Like, looking, again, we're speaking on a Tuesday morning, so the ownerships haven't really developed yet. But just scanning through all of the 9K guys, he's by far the lowest owned own projected of the 9K guys. But I bet you it's, like, he. we have him listed at sub 5% at the moment. I bet you he comes in at, like, 7 And people will think it's, like, super sharp, but... I think that you'd be better off. Like Brooks is not projecting highly for whatever reason. No one likes Brooks this week. I'll play Brooks. Give me, give me I'm some lit. Brooks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, again, that's what I'm saying. This to start it off. Like if I had to pick right now, if you made me lock somebody in for getting ownership, I'd start. I'd start John Rahm and Xander. Uh, I like starting like cash lineups with Xander as well. If you're going to play cash, but at the end of the day, if you're playing in a big tournament, you know. I don't, I, I'm just going to look at the ownership numbers and say, okay, where do I have a lot of leverage? If Brooks is 5%, 7%, I'll be playing Brooks. If Morikawa is going to stay at 10%, I'll be playing Morikawa. You know, if, if Finau is going to go low, like at the end of the day, that's kind of what I want is I just want a lot of leverage here because I think the difference between a lot of these guys is very minimal. I, I think that you're going to see Morikawa and Brooks get squeezed out of lineups because Xander's going to be super popular. He might be the highest owned player because he makes a lot of logical sense as your first player, or he's still cheap enough where you can be the second player in your lineup as well. You can pair him with Bryson. You can pair him with Dustin. The rest of your lineup doesn't look great, but at the same time, you feel very good about your two starting points. But then Cantlay, like you mentioned, yeah, I don't see a reason not to use Cantlay, so he's going to be incredibly popular. And Finau is always popular. So Morikawa and Brooks, like being sandwiched in between them, are going to get relatively few ownership numbers on them. The other guy in the nines, who actually has a really good track record here, I just don't know where his game is at, is Hideki. Yeah, the game's not been great lately, has it? Um, I mean, last 24 rounds, according to Fantasy National, 54th in approach. Um, doesn't check the box in terms of that strokes game putting on Tory and, and Riv, which I mean, he doesn't ever check the box putting at all, but, um, yeah, the, the iron play doesn't seem to quite be there right now for, for Hideki. Uh, I'm usually a total Hideki Homer. I, I'm not really interested. And that I think is where people can get themselves into trouble. Cause it, I did it with Fowler last week. I was like, Oh, if no one's using Fowler, I'll use Fowler. And like, Oh no, he's terrible. So why am I, why am I pivoting onto a bad player from a good player? And it's something that I preach and I still make the mistakes myself in order to do the exact same thing. So I don't necessarily think that like, if I was going to pivot in this range to a lower ownership guy, I think that Brooks and Morikawa make the most sense because really what's the difference between Cantley and Morikawa? Not a ton. What's the difference between Xander and Brooks? Not a ton. So it's not like it's like, oh, I can use Cantlay, who's been awesome, or I can use Hideki, who's not been awesome. I'd rather just use the guy who's been awesome. Yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I, I'm with you. As much as I love Xander, you're right. I mean, if Xander comes in super chalk and Brooks is sitting there at 7%, then I'm not going to have any Xander, and I'm going to have all the Brooks. And that's, that's kind of the thing about the, the 10K level as well. Like, I'm yep. committed to using Bryson. I think that he might end up being the highest owned of up there, but I think he's going to win, so I'm going yep. to use him. But if I'm going to use anyone else in the 10Ks, like Dustin is obviously the logical choice, although it's super expensive to try to jam him in, and he probably comes in second. So you say Rom, then you got Dustin. But again, I keep coming back to JT and Rory. Like, what do I do with those guys? Because if we see this happen to Justin Thomas a lot, that – if he if he's not coming off of a win, people tend to overlook him because no one likes him. I can't believe you think Bryson's going to be the highest. Huh? I, I wouldn't think that. I, I think he's only played one event since the Tournament of Champions, and that was in Saudi. And so, you know, it, he finished 18th. Nothing to write home about there. I, I think he's going to be a little bit. Um, I don't know. I think people are going to pivot. Like, why would you not play Rom, who you've been watching play better stateside, a few more tournaments, uh, you know, just as good. I, I'm a little surprised you think that. I'm interested to see how that shakes out. I think it's just because he's cheaper. He makes lineups work a little bit easier. I know it's only a $300 difference, but that's the difference between getting Xander in your lineup and getting Morikawa in your lineup. Like you can play Rom and Morikawa for the same price that you can play Xander and Bryson. So I think that might lead some more people towards Bryson and lineup construction. Okay. Well, you know, I find any reason to hate Bryson. You why? Know, so. Why do you? I don't get why you hate Bryson. The guy just seems like the. He seems like a great dude. No, he doesn't. Yeah, he really no, he does. Doesn't. He really does. No, he doesn't. He seems like his Instagram stuff is so is so disgusting, Pat. Like it's so, the videos he was putting out during quarantine, 
the, the he's got his neighbor f- flying drone shots over him in his garage, lifting weights. He's he's using the yes no machine, opening and closing his legs like like the hot chicks at the gym. I can't. I, I just don't think personally he's that great of a guy. I actually think he's probably a very narcissistic, um, just guy. Which I know, obviously, a lot of PJ Tour players. Listen, we're friends with Kevin Kisner. I mean, my God, there's. I don't know that even Bryson's as narcissistic as Kevin Kisner, but um, I, I just I, I love to hate him. Now, now I'll play him and I'll bet him. You know, I I, I bet him at eighty. I hit him at eighty to one at the Northern Trust a couple years ago. You know, God, I mean, imagine that Bryson at eighty to one. So I'll play him. I just I don't like him personally at all. And I go the other way with it. I, I enjoy the hate that he receives because I think it's pretty unwarranted. People just find little nitpicky things, and there's just way worse people out there. Right? Now, Bryson's, Bryson's just that. living his truth. This is just the way he sees the world. There's nothing malicious. That, there's nothing malicious about Bryson. I am going to now. He blocked us on Instagram. He blocked Tor Junkies on Instagram because we were coming at him so hard he couldn't take it. Well, it seems like um, you're being the jerks in that scenario. <laughs> I am. Yes, I am. Um, and a lot of people think I'm a jerk. So that's, that's fine. I, I'm now that I know that about you, I'm going to start sending you whenever I see something of Bryson's I'm, I'm sending it your way. I, I'll switch to my personal Instagram account from time to time and go look at his stuff. Cause he does, he hasn't blocked me personally. So next time I, I find something, I'm going to send it to you and just, um, Pat, justify this for me. Like justify why this is, you know, you think he's a decent guy. I'll send it to you. I, I listen. You need to convince me that he's not a decent guy, and because okay. he and because he posts like workout videos, I don't see why that doesn't make him a decent guy. Come on, man. The the the, the video where he's like starting in the private jet, and the, he's got his buddy filming, and he stands up and he walks Love out. That, that's exactly what I would be doing. Like maybe just I see I see a lot of myself in Bryson and how I would act if I had like twenty million dollars. Tell his buddy, stand by the Bentley and like slow pan over the hood and then catch me riding in the Bentley. And then the worst shot of all is buddy sitting in the passenger seat filming and is Bryson cruising down the road. You're like looking at him from the side and it like starts from the sunroof and comes down. Come on, man. Like that is just the worst. I have, the worst. I have an appreciation for the detail and composition of these shots. Like a lot of people will just be doing a selfie with a, with a phone. He's thinking about the detail that goes into the framing of each of these shots. You got some camera moves. That's tough stuff. Yeah, did you see DB Straight Vibin's video last week on his boat, Daniel Berger's boat video? No, I also I, good. I, I I really don't watch a lot of this stuff. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's what I need to start doing. I, I just stay out of that scene. I I just focus on like basically what their odds are. Be like, hey, can they win? Let's go. I like. I think I like Bryson because I win money on him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I get it. I mean, he's, it's a great golfer. And don't get me wrong, because everybody will be in the comments saying, "Oh, he's great for the game." What's your problem? He is great for the game. I love that he's here. I, I, you know, I'm team Reed with, with Jeff. I love Patrick Reed and, and he's a butthole, but I just, you know, I like one butthole. I hate the other one and that's Bryson. So, um, the golf does need him. I'm glad he's here. I'm glad he's doing what he's doing. I respect what he's done. A hundred percent respect what he's done. He's changed the game. He's changed his body hundred percent. So before everybody gets all up in the comments and, and, too late. you know, pisses him about my Bryson take. Yeah. It's probably too late. Yeah. Uh, Adam Scott's nine K any interest Which, for, for the defending champ? Possibly. I mean, as yeah, as batshit crazy as he's going to drive me on shot link and putting, possibly, yes. I mean, I, he's still striking the ball so well. He's longer than he's ever been. Have you heard about the length that he's added? He's got some new shaft is the word on the street. He's got this like super expensive shaft that people are talking about. Uh, we've been hearing some rumblings about. And, if, and apparently a couple of people who played with him a couple of weeks ago said, you know, dude's added a lot of length. So, you know, interesting. That is interesting. Although he didn't drive it all that well at Torrey, he kind of saved himself. And then going into Sunday, well, he was putting really well until Sunday. And then it kind of blew up on him because he's Adam Scott. That I'd be hard pressed for me to think like, man, Adam Scott's going to gain four strokes per event putting. Maybe he does. Maybe he's very comfortable with these greens. But I don't know. I, I would rather go into the eights, I think, and pass on Adam Scott because, well, I bet Bubba to win. I play Bubba here every year. I think it's just smart to play Bubba here. Maybe he'll miss the cut. Maybe he'll withdraw. But you know, he has a pretty good chance of winning this event. Of course. I mean, it's a you know we always talk about Bubba courses, and this is clearly one. Um, you know, last year he 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 broke up the pattern of where he was supposed to win every other year, and he missed the cut, and probably pissed off a lot of folks. Um, I think I was on him last year pretty heavily, so that sucked. But yeah, I mean, this is one of those spots. We know lefties do well here. I mean, God. Yeah, I can't believe you didn't mention your Canadian Mike Weir, the Uber driver who's won here. Phil Mickelson, Bubba, lefties, Augusta correlation. You know, I don't hate it. 
Um, in terms of DFS, I don't know. It just depends on where he shakes out in terms of ownership. Because I don't love him that much that I'll play him regardless of ownership. Um, well, I, 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 I'm, I just, like, I'm looking at the eights. So in the eights, I have Leishman and Cam Smith and Bubba as the three plays from there when I'm constructing lineups. And I'm willing to be talked into a bunch of other people. Like, I like Homa. I'm not going to play like a 30% Homa. Everyone's on Homa this week. And maybe I should be. Wolf scares me. DraftKings-wise, yeah, I have a bet in on Wolf to win, but I just think his around-the-green game is so shitty that that could really cause a lot of problems here. Yeah, and I mean, the, the whole, like, injury that he had at the Farmers, but then he came in the Waste Management and played, and I I don't know what's going on with that. Um, it, he does scare me a little bit. I, I, I agree with you on the Homa play. I love Max Homa, though. Uh, I'm going to bet him. I think he's a great number. I think, what is he on DraftKings right now, 70-1, to 1, or at least last time I looked, I think it's a good number to bet on because he's confident right now. He's a good driver of the golf ball. Last 24 rounds, he's number one in strokes gained on par fives. Uh, which you got to you got to eat those up here at Riv. So I don't mind Homa, but yeah, if he comes in at like twenty percent Homa, that's probably a fade. I like your Cam Smith move. We know Aussies do well. Aussies and South Africans very familiar with the Kikuya grass chipping out of that. Again, we've talked about the importance of scrambling and around the green, you know, game here, and I think that's one of the best things about Cam Smith's game. Honestly, is did I just say Cam Smith is is that right? No, Cam Smith's game uh, is you know, being able to get up and down. We saw him do that at Augusta, like, unbelievably. Finished sixth there in 2018. So I like Cam Smith. Uh, I, I'm kind of coming around on Jason Kokrak at 8K. Yeah, I just feel like he's outclassed. And I always say that, and the guy has a win at, like, a premier event within the last six months. So uh, I might be completely off base with that. He's played well at this course historically. But just when I'm constructing my lineups, I find it really difficult to potentially get him in only because I just look at the other guys around him above and below who I'd rather play. Like, I don't know what to do with Kokrak, Wolf, but even like Zalatoris and Scheffler are there and Hovland is there at really good prices. Like where do I, and none of these guys, like this is the dead range. It feels like in terms of ownership. So if you play two of the chalkier guys up top, just use one of these guys. And all of a sudden you have like a 4% Cam Smith an 8% Mark Leishman, a 5% Zalatoris. Everyone will have Zalatoris the past two weeks. And then all of a sudden no one wants him anymore. And like Scheffler, he finally got his irons figured out in Phoenix and that had really been holding him back. Maybe he can parlay that back through. Like all these guys, strangely enough, while they might not have the win equity of the top end, they do have the skill sets that you want for this course. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't argue with that. I don't think. Um, see, I kind of feel. I kind of feel like there's going to be a good bit of ownership in here. I, I think Hovland and Neiman are a couple names I've seen tossed around on Twitter. I like Hovland. I like. I bet him at thirty-five to one yesterday. Um, you know, definitely better scrambling, which is good, and he's just been playing so good right now. Iron plays incredible. I, I never, I can't figure out Scotty Scheffler right now. Scotty Scheffler is annoying me at the moment. I love Scotty, but I, he, he's burned me a couple times here recently, and I can't figure out what he's, what's going on with him. The, the two missed cuts, then the T seven. Um, I feel like Zalatoris is kind of the guy I, I'll avoid here. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think it's starting to catch up to the kid. He's, he's obviously young. He's, he's playing a lot of golf, and he's, and he's probably mentally. I mean, every week he's having to go out there and like. Yes, he's got some kind of membership on the PJ Tour, but he's trying to like lock it up. He just crept into the top 50 world golf ranking, so I'm hoping to see him next week. But I think I'll probably avoid him. I think Kokrak's going to be my my ownership leverage play here. I'm gonna I'm believing in Jason Kokrak. So, yeah, for me, it's going to be Cam Smith. I think very few people are going to use him. You mentioned the Aussies, the Kikuya. Just also another guy who plays really well at Augusta. And it's not just lefties who seem to have a crossover between here and there. The other crossover course, really, if you just look at leaderboards, is Quail Hollow, which would really point to Homa in this range, considering he has a win there. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I haven't I haven't really looked at Quail Hollow a whole lot. But, yeah, I mean, obviously. Um, JB's and I think won both. Doesn't Kokrak play well at uh, Quill Hollow? Uh, he has yeah, make in the past. But Kokrak's so hit or miss every single time he goes out. Like, he's either really good or really bad. Yeah. I think he's got a lot of upside, man. I think, you know, a guy like that late in his career who's been grinding and he finally gets his first PJ Tour win at the CJ Cup. I don't know. I think that kind of, you know, and hey, and, and Saudi Arabia paid him to come over there and play. I mean, damn, you're Jason Kokrak and Saudi's hitting you up. You're like, hey, I'm, I'm a man in the street right now. You know, he's probably walking head high a little bit. Yeah, get, get them checks, Jason. You can cash in as much as you can. So for me, Bubba, Leishman, Smith. Those are going to be my three. I might add another one into the player pool, but I'm trying to really narrow it down this week. Let's talk 7K, guys. 
I didn't want to play Kevin Na, but everything I keep looking at points to Kevin Na, which seems really counterintuitive. Yeah, um, I looked at him very early in the research process yesterday, preparing for our show, and and I, I kind of, you know, I got his name written down. He wasn't one that I mentioned on our show. I try to keep it tight, um, but he's definitely one I could see coming around on. If you look at the uh, his strokes gain putting and uh, strokes gain around the green on Tory and Riv, on putting, he's 14th in this field, and around the green between Tory Pines and Riv, he's number one. You know, he's a grinder, you know, one of these lower scoring events. I think I think Nas in play for sure. And I don't think a lot of people are going to play him. No, I, I believe that people will go to Henley and Ortiz at $100 cheaper, who are objectively fine plays. But Carlos Ortiz has been all putting lately, and that really scares me. And I love King Carlos. Um, Yeah, I mean, he, he's gaining strokes off the tee okay, too. He's he's eighth in the field in par five scoring. Um, yeah, I don't but, mind but, but, but so much of par five scoring can be related to putting as well. Like, that that's all factored into it. If you look at his putting numbers, uh, going back to my Riviera Torrey Pines split, he's 16th in the field in the last five years. I'd say, listen, I, I can see that. What about, I, I guess the guy to kind of think of here is, you know, everyone's on Ortiz, everyone's on Henley. Why can't Abe Answer be someone who plays well here? Yeah, he's such a little short knocker, though, man. I mean, he just doesn't hit the ball. I mean, he 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 can hear his ball land every time it hits the ground. Sure, he's I just, ne- I don't, he's, he's never missed a cut at the Genesis in each of the past three years, and he's not someone that gets himself into a ton of trouble is the good thing. Like, he's going to hit every fairway, and that, there's something to that from time to time. Yeah, I mean, I get that. No, no real great finishes, though. I mean, his best finish here is 43rd last year. I would rather have Nod, I'd rather have Ortiz. Uh, I'd rather have Henley. I don't know. I'm just not a believer. I don't think this is an Abe answer course, personally. Okay. So when we drop down a little bit more, uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick and Cam Davis, for me, those two guys, 76 and 75, I think they're both excellent plays. Well, listen, you know, it wouldn't be I wouldn't be staying on my DB brand if I didn't hate Bryson DeChambeau and absolutely love Cam Davis. Uh, I'm a huge Cam Davis fan. I would like to have a poster of him someday. Uh, somebody can hook that up. I always love Cam Davis, so yes, on that Aussie Kikuya, give it to me. Um, so, are you? Do you think Tringali is going to be the chalk here? I'm pretty sure that's where a lot of people are going to go. Uh, I'm seeing Henley, Ortiz, Tringali, Cam Davis, and Sam Burns as like the very highly owned players around here. So, you know, I do kind of like Tringali. Let's see how that shakes out. He's just playing so well right now, very confident, and a good record here, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he's got a decent track record here. Um, I I think Corey Connors is going to be a play for me. Uh, I love the Canadian Corey Connors. I faded him last week, or was it two weeks ago? I faded him at the waste management. He ended up finishing T17. That wasn't good. But I like the ball striking ability. It's POA, which is a little unpredictable, as we all know. Uh, now, he did miss the cut here in his first start. But I think I think Connors could be a nice pivot from Cam Davis. Swedish Sung J.M. Henrik Norlander is going to be popular again. I don't, so, you know what? I don't know about that, whether or not he is. Because people were riding him. And if they used him last week, they felt really good. And then by the end of the week, they were like, oh, man, he really shit the bed. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, but it still feels like a really good price, though. I mean, you, I you, agree. You, I, I think you, I think you can definitely play him. Like, I'd rather play him than Sam Burns, who's going to be higher owned. And like, I like Lonto at seventy four. Like, why not Lonto? Lonto's good. Yeah, in that under seventy five range, I do like Lonto a lot. You know, played well at the Zozo in California. I think Lonto likes tough tougher venues as well i think he's going to be better off in a, in a tournament like this he checks a lot of boxes for me um so i like lonto a lot you know i'm with you pat you know i have an undying love for luke list i'm such a sucker for him uh, i did see on uh DraftKings last night at least he's five to one for a top 20 i know this isn't your betting show but he's five to one for top 20 which he has two of those here in the last five years and uh so i do like him there yeah, he's another one who I think is going to be incredibly popular. I don't really know what to make of him this week, to tell you the truth. He's been playing really well recently, and you know, any time that you can avoid minus seven strokes gain putting, Luke List, then he's going to usually be yeah. pretty good. But looking at some of the other guys down here, I don't know what to do with Keegan, 
because theoretically he should play really well wow. here if he can make a few putts. But like Gooch rates out really well for me at 72. Wyndham Clark at 71. KH Lee at 71. Like those three guys, because I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to round out my rosters. If I'm talking about all these guys at the top, do I have to play two of these guys or do I dip into the sixes? And that's going to be sort of the more difficult part for me because when we talk about the sixes, there's not a ton of guys I love down there. Not that I love these guys in particular, but I think that the way that they're playing their history and just what they've been doing recently, their skill sets really rate out well here. Yeah. I mean, I think there is a actual, I think there's a pretty big difference between some of the the class of player here, even in this like 7,200, 7,100 range than, than the guys you're going to see in the 6k. There are maybe two names in the 6K that I kind of like or would put in a in a you know large field GPP, but I actually I think they're probably going to end up being the same names a lot of people are going to like. So I think the move is to get some of these names in the 7100 because I think there's win equity in names like you mentioned Wyndham Clark who hasn't won yet, and I don't know that there's real win equity, but there's def- you don't need him to. But there's top 10 upside here. You know, hits the ball a long way and he's a fantastic putter. Um, uh, but I like Brendan Steele, California guy. Doesn't have a great record here, but he's played here a ton, and I feel like he should play well here. He he checks a lot of boxes here. Should have won the Sony a few weeks ago, so he's he's you know he comes in in, in decent form. What do you think of Brandon Steele? Uh, he was one of my he was on the short list of guys that I liked down there, but he came behind the three guys that I mentioned. I don't know how much I really want to go over him. He has made a he has made the cut in every event this year, which is really although a higher percentage of six of sixes are going to get through, if you can just get your $7,100 guy through the cut, you're going to be doing fine, I think. So I, yeah. I do I do like him. I just don't love him. I will agree with you on the Gooch play. The Gooch is loose for me this week. I'm all in on Taylor Gooch. He's a good total driver of the ball. Um, scores well. His long irons are really, really good. I think he's, I think he's an underrated long iron player in terms of uh, just in total on the PJ Tour. He hits the ball really well from these longer distances. Um, other than that, I think a, I think one of my low-owned leverage plays may be the South African Dylan Fratelli, who's gained a lot of distance. He hit, he's hitting a long way uh, right now, longer than he's ever hit it, and um, he hasn't played great. So I don't think a whole lot of people are going to be on him, but he's a PGA Tour winner, and he's a South African. So Yeah, and, and a mixed bag history here. He has some nice finishes. He has some lower finishes, but I don't really have a feel for him. But let's talk about the 6K guys. Uh, you said yeah. you, you like a few and you think it's going to be the same. The guys that I have highlighted right now, Gim, Werner, and yep. Kang. Okay, oh, but speaking of Kang, I made it. <laughs> he was 500 to 1 on DraftKings last really? night. I didn't, I didn't even like I, I didn't even scroll down to I, I just don't think he's going to win, but like no. to, a top 20 play is certainly in there for him. Yeah, I know. I'm just such a suck. I mean, the, he he's played so good here. The last he sucks all over the place. He play comes here, he plays well. Runner up here last year. He's I think he's he's a California. Like I don't know if he lives right there. His coach is George Gankus, who works right out of there. Like he's very you know he's a local guy with ties. He made the cut last week, which is something he hasn't been doing. So, uh, 500 to one. That is a massive number for those of you that like to really chase the long shots. Uh, Gim was one of the names that I, I thought of um, that I thought you were going to say. My other one is, or my other two are Laird and Jim Furyk. Jim Furyk, sneaky good history here. Yeah, I just feel like we're getting to the point where like it's almost like Phil in a way. Like he's going to show up to places like, man, Phil's track record is great here. It's like, oh yeah, he's fifty one. <laughs> Yeah, except except Furick is actually like doing okay. I mean, he finished twenty first last week at the AT and T Pro M. Meanwhile, Phil got a nine or whatever it was on the on his thirty sixth hole. Sure, to, but to, I, I I think there's a difference for Furick when you're short hitting to begin with, and you go to a place like Pebble Beach, and you can still hit all of your normal shots. I feel like where his game has deteriorated over the years is I don't think he's hitting those two hundred yard approaches the same anymore. Yeah, listen. I mean, I th- I think in terms of uh, in terms of upside, you're limited, obviously, with Jim Furyk. I mean, I don't think I think his upside is probably a top twenty five at best. Um, but you know, single entry, three max entry, your incredible contest. You just need to get you know somebody in there. If you're spending, if you're saving that kind of cash, and he finishes top twenty five, you're probably doing okay. Um, but I definitely prefer Laird and Gim uh, up at the top. I worry about Laird. I know the history is good here. He's just been atrocious so far in 2021. That that would that would have me worry just a tiny bit. Yeah, I mean, but again, the guy just the guy just won. 
right? Another Jason Kokrak story. He'd been grinding on the tour for a long time. Now, he's won before, but it had been a while. Um, so he, he, he jumps up and wins, gets a little bit of confidence, gets to play in the Tournament of Champions for the first time uh, in probably forever. Um, you know, I, I like him. He does have a good record here. He putts well at Torrey and Riv. He's number two in the field, strokes game putting, in the last five years between Torrey and Riv. So I, I don't mind that. You know, he's a good ball striker. He's long enough. He's not super long, but he's long enough. I don't know. Feels like a safer play. He could be somewhat safe. I, I, I just feel like I don't know how Varner is going to be treated this week because he screwed so many people with his disastrous Friday round. But this should really be a course where he plays well. He screwed us last year because we had a big outright bet on him when he topped the ball, that, that three-wood that he hit on number 10. Was it number 10 last year? I think it was number 10. Remember? Yeah, it was Coming number 10. The- yeah, well, I remember we couldn't see it because they didn't show it on yeah. TV. Yeah, why would they? Why would they do that? Why would they show you that? Um, yeah, I mean Varner's interesting. He's gonna. I think you know he could pop. He's just been hit or miss. I can't get him right here lately, so uh, I get it. But I think he does have. I think he's got some good upside. I think he's also could be trunk slamming really early on Friday. Sure, it, it's sort of the same way with Damon, who finally made a cut last week. Then was horrendous after he made the cut. Was second here a year ago, and then I look at someone like Straka, who drives the ball a ton, really good with long irons, can get it up and down. You don't really ever know what's going on with his putting, but he's very cheap as well. Bob Shelton, Robbie Shelton, always one that I like to look at. Some people are going to use Patrick Rogers because he plays well in California. That's why I was talking about the, that lower seven level because I don't feel great about any of these guys. Like Kang. And J.B. Holmes, like, if you just kind of roll with it, you know, you might leave yourself like, oh, they're plus 11 through four holes. But they tend to make the cut here every year. It's kind of shocking to see Cam Champ in the 6K right now. Do you find, do you find, I was like, I mean, I know he's played like absolute dog shit, but it's, it's a little shocking. No, no, that makes sense to me. I mean, he just hits it so far, two-time winner on the tour. You know, everybody thought he was going to be this this big deal. Um, I don't know. It's uh, to me, it's a little shocking to see him there at sixty nine. You know who I because th- you can always compare everyone to the next generation of players. Like who is this guy like? Like I really think that Hovland is so much like Rory. It's unbelievable. Like they their their skill sets really mirror each other and what they do well. That Hovland just needs time to develop a little bit. Like I think that Morikawa could be the better version of Stenson when it comes down to it. Like he doesn't, you know, he's not a bomber, but those long irons, the irons in general, that's how he plays. Cam Champ might just be the new Bubba. Like he's going to win once a year, twice a year. He might win three times in one year and he'll have his courses, but you know, he might be an abject failure half the time too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. He's definitely, I'm not saying I'm playing him. I just, I'm when I'm scrolling the names, just like, Oh, okay. Matt Naismith, Michael Thompson, you know, freaking, you know, camp champ. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a, definitely a fall that he's had. I think that he's always kind of live for an outright bet, regardless of the event, because we know that he has win equity. And it, a lot of it has to do with his putter. He's very JB Holmes ish in that sense where minus five, minus five, minus six, then like the next tournament plus 13. It's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't he too in the running at the PGA? I mean, he could have won the PGA Championship too, right? Yeah, he he's played very poorly at this course over the years. Yeah, yeah. Um, he played at the he played in the 2017 USAM. It was kind of middle of the pack, I think. So he's got experience here for sure. Would you use Redmond knowing that everyone hates him after Phoenix, but he has this USAM win at this course? It's kind of crazy how far he's gone too. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he's live. I think he's live. He's a good driver, the total driver of the golf ball. Um, you know, I'm like you, man. I mean, I, I don't I don't love a lot of the, the names in here. I, I would rather I would rather be able to go up to like a Brennan Steele at 71, a Taylor Gooch at 72, if I'm going to go super low, than than mess around with these guys. Do we have him? No, he's Redmond has never played this event competitively as a pro. But I just look at his putting. Like the putting has been so disastrous. Like over his past five events, he's averaging two strokes lost per event and he's not making the weekend. So that's way off. Like he's not a career positive putter by any means, but it's usually like 0.4 loss per event. Like that's fine. And it's not like the driving's been bad. The driving's been fine. The irons have actually been really good per round. The chipping has been fine. It's just all the putting. Like if you can get a decent putting day, I don't see like if this was, Eight months ago, and they held Riviera. Doc Redman would be like seventy eight hundred bucks. Yeah, you're right. I mean, and he he does have some experience, like top five. In. I mean, if you look at, I mean, he had three top fives after the restart last year. 
um, up until now. So, I mean, he can, he can get, he can go low and compete. Um, this is a big event for him to do that, but yeah, I mean, it, it is, he is a classic case, cheap owned, you know, high upside, but it's all dependent on the flat stick for him. And it's really funny too, because if he had been playing well coming in and basically what is the difference between Redmond and Homa? Honestly, except for Homa's playing really well right now. But eight months yeah. ago, it was Doc Redmond, and Homa was sixty-seven hundred bucks when he wasn't yeah. playing well. Yeah, you're right. There, there's a lot of guys like that that it just, um, I don't know. It's, golf's an interesting game. It's it's about confidence, and that confidence can ebb and flow very quickly, and you can ride it, you know, when you find it. And I think that's kind of what Homa's doing right now. Um, and I don't know. Doc needs a spark somehow. Maybe you know. Maybe this is the week. Maybe it's not. It's really tough to predict. And as we talk about all the time on the tour junkies, strokes gain home life. You know, I mean, you, you never know what's going on. I mean, Doc's a young guy. I don't, he's not married or anything, but I don't think he is. But you just never know what's going on between the ears of some of these guys. Uh, so looking at that Quail Hollow crossover, Laird, I mean, it's only four rounds, but he is positive strokes gain total negative T to green. That's never a great thing to see. But mm -hmm. Doc Redman actually, in his four rounds of Quail Hollow, has played pretty well. And this is just in the past four years, mind you. Uh, who else? Joel Damon in eight rounds has played really well. Fratelli, Chez Reeve, Matt Jones. Matt Jones, who I've just been kind of using every single week. It feels like he's hit his yeah. peak and he's on on the way back down now. <laughs> down. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I'm probably not on my boy Joel. I love Joel, but um, probably not going to be on him this week. I don't really know that <clears throat> this is going to be his favorite. I don't know this is his favorite track, despite the fifth place finish last year. I can see Charles Schwartzel playing well this week. Yeah, South African, Augusta Angle. Augusta Angle. He played really well on uh, on the POA in the Kikuya at Torrey Pines, ended up inside the top 20. He's really hit or miss, but had two top five finishes here in the past. It just it seems like he's playing a little bit better than he had been the previous two years. He's he's having this late career resurgence, just not to the level of some of the other guys. Like he's a capable PGA tour player again. Yeah, actually, now that you mentioned that, um, <clears throat> I kind of like that. I, I like that over the Redmond play. I mean, we've seen him have some decent finishes. 25th at the Masters. Um, you mentioned the Farmers. Yeah. 3 3M Open last summer. He finished third. I don't know. He's been coming around a little bit. I think I'm going to end up playing Redmond. I think I've talked myself into playing Redmond. Like, just throw the putting stats out. He'll figure it out. <laughs> Godspeed, sir. <laughs> Listen, I'm not going to put him in my, like, $200 single entry team, but I think if I do want to get access to Thomas or Dustin and be able to pair them, like, you need to bite the bullet down here somewhere, and at least I know, like, he's a good player. <laughs> Maybe you should put him in that. I've heard you complaining about your $200 single entries here lately. Fucking sucks, man. I pick the wrong team every week to put in, and then I, like, like this week, I ended up losing again, so I'm minus 800 through four weeks of doing this. Fortunately, the the, sing, the $100 single entry is working out a little better. Like, Daniel Berger's on that team, wins money to fuel me losing in the $200 every I play it like such a fucking coward. I don't, I don't I understand. Do if I'm losing it every single week anyway, what's the difference? What kind of lineup am I play? I don't play the 200 anymore, but I, I had a run. I had an epic run last summer where I played it three weeks in a row, and all three weeks I was a coward, like you said. And I, I basically put a cash lineup in there, right? Like, that's kind of what I was doing, just being a total pansy. Two of the three weeks, I got six of six through, and the last week, I got five of six through, and I didn't I didn't make a single damn dollar. You got a six of six through in the $200 single entry and didn't cash? Cash. Yes. Yes. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. And it's funny. My single entry team this week in the $100 ended up, I think it turned out like 450 bucks. I think it was a four of six. <laughs> that's... Yeah, like it, that, it, that's it, the thing. It had it had up. it had burger. It had day. It had Homa. Like that was good enough. <laughs> you know what I hate? Do you do this move where you talk somebody up on a on a Monday or Tuesday, and then you come you you get to your lineup building process, and you completely just can't you can't roster them for to save your life or a couple of guys, and then they end up doing really well, and you just look back and go. Why wouldn't I just play the guys that I? Why wouldn't I play the guys that I liked early in the week? Like your gut calls, your whatever it is, you just play those guys. But I do that all the time. I talk every week. Day. Last week I talked about Jason Day. I made a bet with Pat about Jason Day. Did I have any Jason Day? No, I did not. Why would I do that? Yeah, that that, that would just be too easy, right? Yeah, I, I think I pivoted and did something stupid, and I, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I, I heard it was going to be cold. Like, I was the same way with Day. Like I had Day, but. 
I ended up splitting like half my day into like Fowler. I'm like, oh, I'm getting tricky. That's what I did. That is what I did. Yeah. Too much Fowler. Yeah, we're idiots. So, yeah. Come take our money on DraftKings. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'll be in the PME open, that's for sure. It'd be nice to win that one time. I've almost won it a few times. And I almost won. I actually came the closest in football this year to winning it, but just never. I'm I'm never going to win that 5K. Two weeks ago, our our Nut Hut Butler is what I call him. He runs our our Nut Hut Discord channel. Uh, AC, he won your your PME Open first I th- place. I think AC is also from Halifax, just like me. Yes, yeah, he's up there. There we go. Up there, wherever it is. Yeah. When I'm allowed to leave lockdown, I'll have to go connect with him once once I get back to Halifax. Yeah, is that is that um, it's one hour ahead of East Coast time zone, right? That is correct. Atlantic time. It's so weird whenever I, because we talk to him all the time. And um, I'm like, wait a minute, what time is it there again? Yeah, he, he basically runs our nut hut for us, our, our member chat. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, sharp player. All right, dude. Thanks for being on. Tell everyone what's coming up on Tour Junkies this week. Oh, man, you know, just uh, we've got Pat's Fantasy Golf Sommelier video, which I think is, you know, it's basically it's seven minutes of slightly buzzed wine, wine Pat. Um, talking through, uh, you know, some names and educating the people on wine, which last week was all about screw screw caps and OIR, which is oxygen ingress ingress rate. So uh, the week before that was about short corks matter. It's it's great stuff. You should watch it on our YouTube channel. Uh, give Pat some love or not. It doesn't really matter to me. We got some free written content up on tourjunkies.com. We can we can uh, you guys can go check that out. And of course, the Nut Hut is where it's at. Pat, we need to get you in the nut hut. We need to get you a guest appearance in our member chat. I think our folks would love that. Do you think that I should start a member chat? Because I keep thinking about this stuff. Like, what what are different ways that I can spread out some reach and interact with people a little bit more? And I'm just like, I I get home at night now with the two kids. I just want to go to sleep. You do so much, man. (laughs) I don't know how you do all that you do. So, you know, do I think you should? Uh, Yeah, but, I mean, the people would love it. But is it good for your marriage? I don't know. You know, you might, I don't know. That's, that's, that's the balance we have to have here. Cause there's so much going on. You're in that thing all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's easier now that football has stopped that I actually had time to do things again, which is nice. Like everyone should subscribe. If you want to help out the Pat Mayo experience and Mayo media network, subscribe to that show. I've been telling you about daily fantasy sports, picks and bets, the mix. Like I said, there's, there's Euro stuff up there. Do you, are you guys still, do you still have uh, the Euro guy contributing? Yeah, we have Ash uh, Ash Morrison over there in the in the UK. I think he's uh, just outside of London. Um, he's a semi professional golfer himself. Great stick, Ash. He's uh, he's writing for the Euro Tour stuff as well. So um, that's that's up there. And now we have Corn Fairy too, Pat. D- DraftKings shout out. I had a brief meeting last night about should we do Corn Fairy content because I know a few people who follow it pretty closely, and I came to the conclusion like no one's going to fucking watch that. <laughs> I, I don't know about the DFS side, but I think there is I think there is an angle in the uh, on Corn Ferry in terms of betting for sure. That we have be, a couple but of you know what that feels like a tweet, not a video. M- maybe, maybe or a short video. Come on, Pat, just, just give us the content. Yeah, but want. I mean the videos don't just make themselves. I got to pay someone to do the producing for it. I got to pay someone for the graphics for it. It just doesn't seem like the <laughs> ROI on Corn Ferry when I can just put it in a tweet would be. It's just much easier. No, man, just do what we do. Make it really hack and 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 just totally shitty. You know, I mean, have you watched Pat's Fantasy Golf Somalia video? Just do that and just give, you know, it's it's just do that. I don't know. I, I just, I just don't right. know if there's any interest there. Like, I, I tried out soccer this week. So we had three soccer videos. They actually did a much better than I thought they would because, you know, I wouldn't want to tune into soccer. But I know that there is demand for betting on soccer, DraftKings soccer, and it's the first week. Obviously, it grows from there. But then I watched something like NASCAR. NASCAR does great for, I, I wouldn't say reasons unknown. I guess it was the Daytona 500. But, like, I was shocked at how well that NASCAR did this week. Uh, like versus soccer, which is obviously the biggest sport in the world. So it's kind of crazy. Like when you think about what hits and what does, I never would have thought six years ago that golf would be so big versus like me doing baseball or something like that. But it just was. Yeah. I mean, good for you, man. I, I, I think, uh, I do think there's something, I think corn fairy gambling is going to have some legs. I don't know if it's going to be in, in the daily fantasy format. I'm playing it this week though. I can tell you that I've already built a couple lineups. I've already been texting a few corn fairy players. Um, <laughs> So I am I, I'm in on it, and I think I think it there may be a real edge, especially in the in the betting market for it. Well, if there's an edge in the betting market and we can win money on it, then I probably will end up being in. 
Uh, I'll find someone to do like a four minute video on it. Like here are the plays. Let's go. Yeah, I think if you get into it, you know, and and you you start paying more attention to it. Now, Fantasy National has Corn Fairy Tour stats too. So, like, if you can pay more attention to it, when these guys cross over on the tour and they're all sixty three hundred dollars, like you have a little better edge there as well. That actually is quite true. And yes, Fantasy National, you can click the Corn Fairy tab, and all of the stats are loaded in there as well. If you do want to do research, so I wonder if did Moose upload the like the CVS for Corn Fairy DraftKings this week? Is that something I can I can pick? I don't think it is. It's not. We got to no. Poor Moose. Now he has more work to do. Yeah, yeah. We'll uh, let's uh, let's blow up his phone after this. Yeah, he'll he'll enjoy that to no end. All right, man. Uh, Appreciate it. Thanks, dude. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me. Appreciate right. it, dude. David Barnett. Follow him on Twitter at Tour Junkies. Instagram at Tour Junkies, and download and subscribe to the Tour Junkies podcast. You can follow me at the PME Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Become a member at FantasyNational.com today. FantasyNational.com/slash Mayo get you. 20% off PGA, Corn Fairy, the stats. You got everything you need. If you're going to be playing lineups on DraftKings or hitting up the betting market, my cheat sheet for DraftKings, when I finally narrow things down, will be out on DK Nation. My article is up there too. And please go back if you haven't downloaded the Monday show or the Sunday show, even if you don't care to listen to it, please download it anyway and subscribe to Daily Fantasy Sports Picks and Bets. The Mix, my one and done preview, will be up there on Wednesday morning. If you rate, review, and subscribe, leave a five star review with your Twitter handle, something the nicer email address in there as well you're going to draw for a hundred bucks giveaways on monday's show with jeff Finder. thank you all for watching i'll see you next time experience experience